0: Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peak. How are you? Crying out loud. This is episode 418, so welcome aboard. To what? To her. The podcast where you're going to hear the truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, well, her journey from fertility to menopause and beyond. Oh yeah, you're going to want to take a few notes on this one. (laughs) And we have a Fabulous guest from across the pond. This is the Queen's Wave, Dr. Joyce Harper. Joyce, so good to see you. Lovely to see you, Pam. Awesome. Before we begin this episode, just know that it's made possible by our sponsor, and that is Solaray Vitamins, S O L A R A Y Vitamins. Oh, you know the drill, ladies. We try to get our vegetables and our fruits in and, and eat absolutely perfectly every day. There's that P word. And we don't. So to be able to fill in those gaps, how about a nice multivitamin just to kind of make sure we're all kind of on the same page and aligned with our nutrition. So run on over to solaravitamins.com to learn more. And here's your first reminder to hit iTunes after the episode to rate and review the show because myself and my whole team just sit here waiting to hear from your feedback. Oh, yeah, we love it. Why? Because we love to see how well you're engaged with us. Yes, you are, especially after this episode. All right. It's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind, her body, her life. It's all about Her. Now, when we want to talk about a woman's journey. I gotta tell you, I'm so tired of women being chopped up into little pieces. Here's your menstruation here's, and then it's never connected to young adulthood and fertility, which is never connected to perimenopause. Quite frankly, after the age of 40, women fall off the map. They just sort of hit a ledge and just, there they go, plop, right at the bottom of the cliff. And then there's menopause. Oh, what's that about? And post-menopause. What I love now, and I think women are really resonating with, is the entire journey. No one better to help us with this than Dr. Joyce Harper. Now, Dr. Harper is an award-winning professor of reproductive science at the Institute for Women's Health University College in London. She's head of the Reproductive Science and Society Group and leads the International Women's Day events at the Institute. I want to hear more about those. And she's worked for years in the field of fertility, genetics, reproductive health, and women's health, which definitely includes the entire journey. She has a book that was published in. 2021, which is called Your Fertile Years. This is a superb book to be able to help you understand the mechanics of what's going on there, both mind and body, which is why I love this. So Joyce, welcome aboard the Her podcast. I'm really looking forward to our chat today, Pam. Fantastic. All right. So Joyce, why the interest? why did you get involved in this entire journey? Why not just kind of do a little pigeonhole thing that doctors have done for years? Like I'm only going to do fertility and, and I'll just stick to my guns there. Why the entire journey? Why'd you take a more holistic view? I certainly do. And my journey actually
1: started in 1987. I finished my PhD and I started working in the fertility field. And This this might not know, but the world's first IVF baby was born in 1978. So, when I started in this field, she was only nine years old. It was a very, very new field. But I found myself working in the fertility lab back in 1987. And this new area, which no one had ever taught me before, I was learning so much. And I was like, wow. Why don't I and my friends understand our menstrual cycle? We were then all around 25, we were trying not to get pregnant, and we didn't understand our bodies. And I didn't realize this until I started working in this field. It was unbelievable. I started writing a book in 1987, but I wasn't, I didn't have the experience then. So life goes by very quickly, and I'll tell you about other things that happened. But around 2015, I literally had a Eureka moment. I'd actually been for a run, and I came back and I thought. I need to do more with women. I need to be teaching women. I've been teaching students and everything all this time. And I thought, oh, I was writing a book <laughs> So I resurrected the book in 2015 and it's been a really wonderful journey. And along the way, I won't say everything all at once, but we've realized, well, we haven't realized why we haven't been teaching fertility and reproductive health to everybody, not just women. Everybody needs to understand these are not women's issues. These are everyone's issues. And it's true whether you want children or don't want children, many of these issues affect you. We've now been doing a huge amount of work and I've set up the International Fertility Education Initiative where we're doing lots and lots of things which we'll talk about during this podcast, I'm sure. That's where the motivation came from. But also along the way, I ended up having fertility treatment. So it started when I really realised I didn't understand my menstrual cycle. But then in 2015, when I resurrected everything, my friends were all going through the menopause and they knew nothing. We knew nothing. Hot The Flash, you call it. don't you? Hot flush? There's much more than that that women need to understand. So along with all those personal things and my personal fertility journey, which did be very successful, and I have three beautiful children, but it's a hard battle and it's very hard being the other side of the table. So all of that together that negative situation of fertility treatment, I wanted to turn this into a positive outcome. And so that's my motivation to do this work.
0: I absolutely love that. Tell us, please, about the International Women's Day. What exactly is that? And how can everyone, no matter where they are, get involved in this? Yes, it's very,
1: very international. So it's the 8th of March every year, and it's a day to just celebrate being a woman, which... In today's society, is sometimes very much undermined. So globally, there's lots of different events. And in our institute, we've got we're organizing four events. Some of them are online, so people can join us, but the two that are online, we will be recording them and we'll put them on YouTube afterwards. So they'll be on my YouTube channel. But the two that are online, we're going to be discussing about FemTech, and FemTech is the use of digital technology to help women's
0: health. I can tell you about that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So you're going to be discussing femtech. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. You and I need to have a conversation.
1: (laughs) And we're also going to be discussing how social media is portraying women. So we've got a fantastic panel. So we've got two fantastic panels. Both of those are, they're one o'clock in the UK, might be a bit early, but as I said, they will be within 24 hours. They will be on my YouTube channel. So we've got wonderful panels who are going to discuss these really hot topics.
0: Okay, fantastic. I'm like so excited, especially with the femtech. I'm actually involved with that. And I just think that women have to have so many new options, all the way from menstruation, fertility, to menopause, other than just drugs. It's always been just drugs. Obviously, Medications are sometimes necessary, no question. You, you know, I'm a physician, I kind of get that part. But nowadays, we're in the 21st century, there are so many other options as well. And women need to be aware, and they are not. So kudos to you for bringing more awareness to that entire issue. When you're looking at, you know, what I really love is what you just said. You said, this is everyone's issue right? It's everyone's issue. And that also includes men, because what happens to us involves them too, oft times. And when I say involves, it impacts upon everybody. And it's just really important for all of us to honor the fact that women play such an incredibly powerful role in society and in culture. And all the more reason, to your point, why we as women need to be very smart about what we're all about. So do we understand menstruation? Do we understand fertility? Do we understand perimenopause? So go to the perimenopause menopause place for a minute. We've heard more and more about menstruation. That's good. Finally, the young women especially are yelling and screaming for more recognition here especially as it relates to PMS and issues, especially as they affect the workplace, et cetera. Fertility obviously really needs a lot of shout out and understanding, but what about perimenopause menopause? How different is that for women to wrap their heads around? None of this is rocket science. It's
1: all quite straightforward, but we've never educated anybody about this. We've done lots of work looking in schools, Even nowadays in schools, young people do not learn about any of what you've just said. Even menstruation, they don't learn about endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome. They don't learn about infertility or the menopause. And I think all of it should start in schools. And the most important thing is for them to understand what each part of their life course is going to involve and also what's normal. So this is the big problem. We don't tell people what is normal, what pain is normal, how much period pain should you put up with. If you have a very irregular cycle, is that normal? And the perimenopause, I think everyone knows about a hot flash, but they don't know about issues that can happen psychologically. And I've done a lot of research on this, asked lots of women to tell me how they felt about the perimenopause. And the biggest problem is that they feel very uneducated. They also feel their physician is very uneducated. Ouch! (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if it's the same for you, but in the UK, we have many doctors who when a 45-year-old woman comes with two or three very clear perimenopause symptoms, the comment they often say is, oh, they're too young because they have this thing in their head that the menopause happens in your 50s. But people don't understand that the symptoms happen even in your late 30s. Some women will stop their periods by the mid-40s, very common by their late 40s, and these perimenopause symptoms, and there's a long list, controversial list, everyone's arguing about what's on the list, but there is a list of many symptoms, many psychological symptoms that can really leave women feeling very vulnerable. It can affect their work for sure, they don't feel motivated in their work, they have trouble concentrating and motivation but also in their private life. I cannot think how many divorces happen because of the menopause or the perimenopause. And if we all understood this, maybe we could save some of those because people could understand, everyone could understand what the woman's going through and not take it, you know, if you're the husband, why does she hate me? <laughs> you know, when we're teenagers going through puberty, what's the common thing? We hate everybody, you know. Oh, mum, I hate you. It's, like, it's all hormones raging around our body. And the perimenopause is the same. So women might think they don't love their husband anymore. They don't like their job anymore. They want to change everything and they need to understand what they're going through and understand that it is a transition. And for many people, I'm one of those people that absolutely feel, and I've heard more people say it now, that life post-menopause and life also over 50 for men, we mustn't forget the men, it can be the best time of your life Because you've ticked off so many things that were, you know, your career, your kids, your job, your house, all those things you wanted to do. You've ticked them off. And if you haven't ticked them off, it's too late now. So now you can hopefully be more financially secure and stable. And now you can think about what can I do to have the best life I could ever have in this realistically 20 or 30 good years that we've got left. And I want people to really be motivated to lead the most fabulous time, life post-menopause or life over 50, that they can. I think we can do that, but we have to make sure everyone is educated and understands about the perimenopause transition and understands how every woman is individual. Some will have an okay time, some will have a disaster time, and it's everything in between. We have to treat women individually, do what's right for them, They might need to try different things and hopefully come to a much better place, life post-menopause, where they're free from their menstrual cycle, their periods, their raging hormones, and they can celebrate the last years of their life.
0: You know, in certain cultures, just segueing off that, I believe it's the Thai culture, they actually, when we ask around the world... Hey, is there a word for menopause? In the Japanese vernacular, there's nothing. They're like, well, whatever. It's sort of a non event. It's like, yeah, well. And then in the Thai, I believe it's Thai, they actually have a word that's celebratory or a phrase that says, yay, celebrate, no more menstrual cycles. I've looked into this and you're totally right. Many cultures call it the second spring. That's right.
1: And they celebrate adults of this age, being wise people and elders and respected within the community. And you're right, there's many cultures that do
0: not have a word for menopause. Yeah. And, you know, I think that one of the things we have to worry about here in the USA, you could speak for the UK, across the pond, and that is we tend to medicalize things. Like, come on now, USA, right? Currently, the menopause is if we look at the like the coding for it for insurance and whatever is under genital urinary pathology okay now come on now this is a natural normal transition in a woman's physiologic journey that's you know don't be telling me it's pathology it's not it's normal some of the symptomatology Maybe a little problematic, no question. Sleep impairment, for instance. But it is a normal, natural thing. But one of the things I have found, again, only speaking, I'll be the queen and I'll say, I'm going to speak for all of USA here. One of the things that happens, and my brethren, hello, you better get certified in menopause medicine right now, is that we don't give women a heads up. For instance, If I'm a young woman and I'm saying to my mother, my aunt, my older sister, you know, somebody, I don't know, friend, and hey, I'm thinking of getting pregnant now, right? This is something I've got on my mind. Suddenly, you've got this clutch of women around you and they're saying, okay, now think about this and start taking this multiple vitamin and blah, 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 and this is what's going to happen. And you're like, whoa, okay, I'm on it. All right. Then you start entering the 40s and it's like crickets dead silence. Nobody's there saying, hey, watch out for foggy brain. You're going to start feeling weird anxiety panic that just comes out of the blue. And why is all that happening? Well, we have to explain that you're now transitioning ever so slowly off estrogen, progesterone. This is a weaning process that takes 10 years and it's very careful. And so out of the blue, you may seem like you have the screaming memes, which is my favorite way of talking about going completely out of your mind and losing friends and spouses and whatever. But no one gives you a heads up. And that's crazy. And when it comes to menopause, they go, okay, well, your periods are over. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, wait a minute. Many women continue to have hot, as you would say, flushes. We say flashes for years after that. And they also have sleep impairment, foggy brain, decreased energy. What's up with that? Why didn't you tell me? Why did my body suddenly become as big as Texas? You know, you didn't tell me that now, especially, but all through your life, exercise and clean nutrition is absolutely critical for maintaining appropriate body composition. So what do you think of what I just said? totally,
1: totally agree, Pam. So my big issue for everybody, when I talk about reproductive health, when I get to the end of my talk, this is in my book as well, I talk about the four pillars of well-being and those pillars are nutrition, exercise, sleep and our mental health, exactly what you've just said. And if you read all the books, if you read the books on Alzheimer's and dementia, heart disease, all of these, nutrition, all of them are saying we have to do the whole package. And we have to do the whole package even when we're teenagers and we're trying to control our menstrual health. When we're in our 20s, we're trying to get pregnant. And when we're in our 30s and 40s and we're reaching the perimenopause, we should be looking after our well-being through the whole of our life. And I'm sure we all know we're a very unhealthy society. I've heard people get annoyed that we're telling women to exercise, but the benefits of exercise and your nutrition, if you just take those two, the reduction in your risk of cancer as well, so many diseases, and especially when you're, when you're my age and you're, and you're getting nearer the wrong end, well, very near the wrong end, you want to do everything you can to try and make sure you are healthy. We need to do that when we're younger and really prepare ourselves. So I've heard women, people say, well, There's a big narrative in the UK. Let's give them the hormones. Let's replace the estrogen and progesterone. And I saw a post today, actually, with one of the hormone doctors saying, menopause doctors, saying that it's very hard to tell women to exercise. And I know I've done many workshops with women. And I know that if they haven't exercised, they look at me and I don't really want to exercise. But they've got to understand it's not just to get through the perimenopause symptoms. It's the rest of their life. It's only going to go one way at this age. And one podcast I did, we came up with the phrase that we were glad that the women had a wake-up call with the menopause. We have an advantage over men. We've got this wake-up call. Okay, it's tough. It's absolutely tough for some women to go through this and all the symptoms they have will really be detrimental to their lives for that transition. But I really feel that for most people, it's a time to reassess how we're living our lives, if we haven't been really looking after those four pillars of well-being, it's time to do it because we are aging and now we could age in a much better way and reduce our chance of so many chronic diseases if we look after that. I don't want to medicalize it. I do not believe that every woman needs to take hormone replacements. I think some do And some do for a short time or a longer time, but they can wean themselves off. Some may benefit from taking hormones for their whole life. But I don't think we're one size fits all. I think everyone's individual. I personally never took any hormones. I'm about 15 years post-menopause and I feel absolutely fantastic. (laughs) But as a scientist, we never talk about an N of ones, but I'm just sharing my story. But I know many, many women who want this individual approach. And we absolutely need uh, treatment if if we need it at that time. But there are many, many options that women can take to embrace this time of their life.
0: I say amen to everything that you just said. When it comes to the whole exercise thing, of course, I'm horribly, terribly biased, I'm a senior Olympic triathlete, and I'm on the board of the American College of Sports Medicine, and uh, honey, I'm postmenopausal, and I'm having the best time of my life. I'm just simply saying, here's the challenge. The challenge is to be able to get to women, and you just said it, early. And that is to get them to understand that physical activity, I don't even use the E word, Physical activity, staying active, finding things that you love that give you joy, play, get out there and have a good time, become one with nature. Just, I'm a natureaholic, seriously. You can put me on the side of a mountain and come back in a month, I'm fine. You know, I'm not like right out there with the goats. The bottom line is they have to find meaning and purpose in taking better care of themselves in terms of nutrition and physical activity, that has to be foundational so that once that's in place, you know the literature as well as I do. When a woman approaches perimenopause and she's doing things to help with stress management, hello meditation, journaling, and walking in nature and all the rest of it, And when she's more physically active on a routine basis, I call it a practice. It's like a practice, all right? And that she's really trying to concentrate on eating clean, meaning not the ultra-processed crap and the rest of it. Then her chances of being able to get through that transition with minimal issues – as she's transitioning off the her sex hormones, is much higher. So she's going to be able to navigate with greater efficiency and decrease side effects. And we see that. But women who approach perimenopause menopause and they're just stressed out of their minds, they have the worst sleep on the planet, what do you think is going to happen? That's a pro-inflammatory condition. And that will, by definition, make everything worse. So you have everything to win by already having a solid foundation. And by the way, that fits in beautifully with fertility. You want to have a healthy baby? Don't be obese when you enter your pregnant years because you know the statistics as well as I do. The healthier you are, the healthier the baby is. And it goes on and on. So I just see that, that foundation, that education about the foundation has really not been emphasized enough. And instead, everything is crisis oriented. Fix this, fix that. Here's a drug, here's a patch, here's a potion, just you know, like that. Does that make sense? Pam, I love you. <laughs> I
1: totally, totally agree. Unfortunately, there's lots of people that don't agree with us and they just want to give a prescription but i totally agree and i think it just doesn't make sense if you're just going to put back some estrogen and progesterone in a woman that's not what makes people happy good health and happiness probably the title of my next book but i'm asking people to tell me what makes them happy this is a, a i was at a dinner yesterday. i asked everybody at the what makes them happy and i hope that they do come up with as you said being out in nature, exercising outside is a win-win. You know, you get the sunlight, you get the fresh air. Hopefully you'll do it with some friends or alone. I think lots of us like to be alone now as well. I'm a cold water swimmer. So I can hear your guests thinking I'm totally crazy. But, you know, the demographic of the people that do this is very popular in England or the UK, very popular. And the demographic is perimenopausal women. I would say, well, probably 75%, 80% of cold water swimmers are women over 40, certainly in the UK. And you know what? We do it as a group. We have a community. We have nature. We see sunrise, sunset. We see the most beautiful scenery. And that is such a help. So I'm now doing some research. I've done one research project on menstrual and menopause symptoms and cold water swimming. And we're continuing that this year because many of us are convinced. But it's just, I'm not just telling people to get into some cold water. The idea of finding your hobbies. You said play. And I always talk about hobbies. There are hobbies that you might have done when you were younger. You know, I spoke to someone state, Tennis. Oh, I used to love oh, dancing as well. People used to love dancing when they were younger. And going to hear music. And then, you know, you get bogged down with your career and kids. And, you know, you, you miss... And people have forgotten what they used to enjoy. And now you can enjoy even more. You've got a little bit more money. You can get better sit. <laughs> But, you know, it's I go dancing a lot. We have these lovely things in the UK called day raves. So we go dancing. It's fabulous. It's fa- The DJs, lots of the DJs from, from the 90s. That's a day rave? Day rave. I've, I've, I love it. I love oh it. Oh, my I, God. I have written about it on social. I've written a little blog about it. So there's literally, in London, there's one every week. They start at midday. They finish about 9 p.m. And we
0: can be tucked up in bed. Now we're talking. I mean, I never thought I'd say, hey, you know, I got to be in bed by, you know, like 9, 9.30 and the latest and stuff. And, you know, the younger people are like, loser, you know, big L, you know. And I'm like, no, actually, as you get older, sleep is cool, man. It is the best. It feels really good, especially after exercise, like, you know, the day rave. But, you know, there's also one other thing that happens with the day raves and the rest of it. And it's a very critical component. So we have a Harvard study that's now in its 85th year. Go figure. It started with Harvard men. Don't get me started. But it also now includes their progeny, which includes women, radical thought. But I know, I know. Don't even... I'm I'm getting off my soapbox here now. So... What they found was the key to happiness, because you said the word happy and you know, maybe your next book and all the rest of it. Okay, you know what it is? It's something called social fitness, meaning that when we say, hey, I'm going to go into nature and whatever, sometimes when I, I have two German shepherds and they're my pals, and so nobody bothers me. So when I go into nature... Many times, I just love being alone. I love the stillness. I love listening to the leaves and the wind and all the rest of it. Other times, I call up my buddies and I say, come on down, join me. I I really feel like having some company. Well, as it turns out, day raves, what do you think you are? You're surrounded by people, and you're making new friends. You're having a wild and crazy time. The same thing happens with, say, for instance, cooking. Hey, come on over. I'm thinking of making, you know, some vegetarian chili. Let's all contribute, and let's have a huge meal, and let's all talk and gab and do our thing. Okay, social fitness. So what's your social fitness? So we talk about physical fitness. Mental fitness, nutritional fitness, social fitness. And of course, I always add in here a spiritual component. I think that this is always very important. You define whatever that is. If you completely reject it, God bless, whatever. But really, at the end of the day, I always add that that whole issue of what we call awe, A-W-E. When you have awe, when I see a sunset and it takes my breath away when i see a baby hawk with its mom that's an awe moment so what is that all about it's some deep something a connection with nature a connection with all the universe for all intent and purposes and i use that word connection cuz it is we are all connected one way or the other instead of just being a solo act here If we acknowledge our connections, I think that also drives up compassion and empathy. What do you think? So I think with COVID,
1: when we were all locked in, I think for many people, it was a really important moment. So I'm a very sociable person, but I realized I got a lot of goodness from it. I realized that I loved being on my own as well. So I think having a sense of balance. So I think to be totally on your own all the time is not a good recipe for happiness. And that social, I've been following that Harvard trial. So that, that interaction with people, even the date some of the data showed it reduced the risk of some cancers because they had that society and that support support and balance are two really important words. So I think now, I think you're probably a very outgoing person as well. But I think to have our friends around, have our community, but also to have that stillness. I've started a new podcast this year. And one of the things I talk about is advice to our younger self. And to my myself, I felt I wish I'd told myself to be more still and more in the present, instead of rushing I'm a bit hyper. So I never sit still. And I think that stillness and meditation and just sitting and watching the stars or the sunset or the sea is really amazing. So, finding that balance with having our community and our raves and all these other things we might be doing, but then having time on our own and being still and just contemplating life. I think, and there's lots of data about the value for our health with meditation and stillness. I think I worry that we have an increased amount of mental health issues in our communities. So with our students, I teach a lot of students and every year I see it getting worse and worse. And now it's more of them have got a diagnosis of a mental health issue or a neurodiversity than not. And I'm not sure whether it's just because we're recognising it more or it's because we're leading these very stressful and anxious lives. I don't know what the answer to that is, but I think what's important is we certainly have to make sure we're still we're balanced we look at the sunset we look at the stars and we try and make all of those
0: things perfect in our life i completely agree with you and i really believe here in the united states we just had another survey of young women and anxiety and depression is off the rails There's no question. At the same time, on the heels of that survey was new research that shows exercise. When I say that physical activity, just getting out, even walking in nature by yourself or with people back and forth is equal to, if not greater in effectiveness in treating anxiety and depression, basically getting up and moving is a physiologic totality of a treatment that will most definitely help these young women. I also believe that social media is a major problem here. All a young woman has to do is just watch the highly filtered pictures of her peers, and then she feels immediately bad. I would so recommend to young people in general, especially young women, and women in general, that they limit the amount of social media that they do. Just put the damn thing down, turn it off, turn off the notifications and lead your life. Because what I'm seeing now is that a life that is completely guided by what you think you believe by, and I quote, influencers on social media. And I can tell you that the grand majority of that is complete utter garbage and it's doing nothing but tainting you. There's a piece of me, because you and I are kind of comrades here and peers, I'm really happy I grew up when I did. I didn't have any of that. I was out, you know, climbing trees and falling into mud puddles and throwing balls with my brothers and my friends. And I was just doing that whole thing. I wasn't sticking my nose into a device all day long, which is what we now see during and I quote recess, which is supposed to be when you're out being physically active and it's not. And kids just collect in a corner and then they just read social media to each other. It's just crazy. We have to, as adults, rein this in. And this has to be more on the level of policy and really get this honed in, especially in schools. Does that make sense? You're totally right. It's toxic. It's really toxic.
1: I think more to the younger people. But our age as well, there are images of some women Some celebrities with their six-packs and their highly toned bodies suggesting that I saw one the
0: other day with Nicole Kidman. It said, perfect. I know. There's that P (laughs) word. See, I always call it the P word. It's like women just, I mean, when you see the word perfect, immediately you look at yourself in the mirror and you go imperfect. And then your depression increases, you know, precipitously at that very moment. And and I was talking to some friends about sleep recently recently. And one of them said she had lots of trouble
1: sleeping. I actually let the other women lead the conversation. And they said exactly what I wanted to say. They said to her, what do you do before you go to sleep? Oh, I go on social media. And then they said, they told her, I let them do it. They told her, why are you doing that? And then she says, she wakes
0: up after three hours. What do you do then? Oh, I go on Facebook. You know, come on, girlfriends, (laughs) listen up. Would you just lead your own life, honor it, Respect it for crying out loud. Listen, you and I, Joyce, I can clearly see are going to become BFFs, and I'm going to have you back on this podcast, you know, repeat times. That's why I call you now a repeat offender. You're going to be here a lot because you have so much to share with us, just a breadth of knowledge. And so, everyone, we've been talking to Dr. Joyce Harper. She is the author of your fertile years, you have got to run over to her website, JoyceHarper.com, so you can learn more about her podcast, her academic work, her book. Why didn't anyone tell me this podcast? I mean, that's a hell of a title for a podcast. I just absolutely love it. Learn more about, of course, International Women's Day. See how you can get involved as well. So this is all so exciting. All I can tell you, Joyce, is thank you so much for being on the Her Podcast. It's been a real pleasure, Pam. Thank you very much. Absolutely, and everyone out there, I'm giving another shout out to our wonderful sponsor, Solaray Vitamins. S-O-L-A-R-A-Y Vitamins. Run on over to Solaray.com because you know you need your multiple vitamin. Don't be listening to anyone else. You need to make certain to fill in those nutritional gaps. I know we try. Everyone's imperfect, and I love that—that we're imperfect. But we do need to get our nutrition. So get that multiple vitamin for sure, and get it on board. Oh, Okay, now run on over to iTunes, rate and review the episode, because my team and I are just waiting to hear from you. That's what we do all day long, twist our little thumbs round and round, waiting to hear from you. Your feedback is platinum to us. Hey, listen, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, host of the HER podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peake or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peake MD, And remember to catch every single episode of the Her Podcast at Radio MD, iTunes, Spotify, all the other platforms because we're there to message and give you this fantastic information that Dr. Joyce Harper and our other expert guests share. These are all gifts for every single one of you. Hey, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay well.